Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the MOGO Q3 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would like to hand it over to Craig Armitage, Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Mike, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, just a couple of quick notes before we get started. First, uh, today's call will contain forward-looking statements that are based on current assumptions and subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. The company undertakes no obligation to update these statements, except as required by law. Information about these risks and uncertainties are included in our Q3 filings, as well as periodic filings with regulators in Canada and the United States, which you can find on CEDAR, EDGAR, and our website. Uh, second, today's discussion will include adjusted financial measures, which are non-IFRS measures. These should be considered as a supplement to and not as a substitute for IFRS financial measures. Uh, lastly, uh, the amounts today are discussed in Canadian dollars unless otherwise indicated. And if this wasn't clear to people, we do have presentation slides available to accompany today's call. Uh, those are, uh, can be found in the Investor Relations section of the website. So with that, I'll turn the call over to Dave Feller to get us started. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, and good morning. Welcome to Mogul's third quarter 2020 results conference call. I'm joined today by Greg Feller, our president and CFO. We're pleased to report another quarter of strong results in our key profit measures, including positive net income of a million dollars and a 346% increase in adjusted EBITDA. These results reflect the success of our efforts to quickly adapt to an uncertain environment this year and really shine a light on the fundamental health, resilience, and profitability of our business. In a world where many fintechs have unproven business models and no paths to profitability, we have shown we do. I would also like to call out the team at MOGO for the great work in 2020. It's certainly been a challenging year in many ways, and the team has done a great job during these difficult times. And because of all their hard work, we feel good about how the business is positioned heading into 2021. The adoption of digital banking, digital wallets, and financial health are all powerful long-term trends that have accelerated in 2020, and MOGO is squarely positioned to benefit. We still have a lot of work to do, and the team is hyper-focused on execution of our plan, and we're pleased with the things we are seeing, including an 89% growth in members from our previous quarter and a 237% growth year-over-year in Bitcoin accounts. Given the pandemic, along with the increased pressure on consumers' finances, the shift to digital continues to be in hyperdrive. The problem of financial stress has only gotten worse. It's clear that for most people, their existing banking solution doesn't solve their problem. So what does the next generation of banking look like? We believe it looks more like a gaming app than a banking app. We see gamification as one of the keys to winning in this space, and we're focused on making Mogo not only the best, one of the best games to play, but a game that helps you get financially healthy and achieve your important life goals, like getting out of debt, buying a home, and saving for retirement. 
In fact, we believe this is one of the keys to solving the wealth gap in Canada. It's one thing to have a great products, and it's another thing to have an engaging experience that makes it fun. The highest form of human motivation is doing things because they're fun, not just because they're good for you. As you'll see in today's presentation, gamification is a key element of our strategy and something we are proud to be pioneers of when it comes to personal finance. As you may have seen in the broader fintech landscape, players such as Cash App in the U.S. are seeing huge growth in demand for Bitcoin. PayPal also recently announced that its customers in the U.S. will be able to buy cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, directly from their PayPal account. While Canada typically lags the U.S. with these trends, demand is growing here too. We are seeing it in our metrics. Mogo Bitcoin users are up 237% year-over-year, and in October, we're already seeing doubling from Q3 levels. What's more, we achieved this growth with little to no marketing around Bitcoin. As more and more Canadians look to participate in Bitcoin, we believe Mogo is uniquely positioned. Unlike other crypto apps, we are only focused on Bitcoin, and we have a much broader value proposition. But perhaps most important is that we have the trust and credibility of being the only publicly traded company that offers everyday Canadians a simple and low-cost way to buy and sell Bitcoin. We believe this can be an increasingly meaningful part of our member and revenue growth and our focus on increasing our focus on this product, including yesterday's announcement of our new Bitcoin rewards program, as well as our new Stacking Sats campaign. Stacking Sats is a term used to describe the act of regularly accumulating small amounts of Bitcoin, also known as Satoshis. We believe reward programs like collecting points and error miles are losing relevancy, especially among millennials and Gen Z, and Bitcoin is a perfect platform for a modern rewards program. There are 100 million Satoshis in a Bitcoin, which is a great structure for a rewards program. And unlike old school reward programs, Satoshis offer the added benefit and excitement of being something that have potential to appreciate in value. If you are a gamer, you'll know that rewards are a key part of gamification and we will now have a way to reward members for good financial behaviors as well as rewarding them for engaging with our products. We are starting off with rewards for improving your credit score as well as rewards for activating and funding your Bitcoin account, along with earning Bitcoin for referring friends to Mogo. This is just the beginning, and our plan is to bring this rewards program to all our products in a way that not only helps members improve their finances, but helps drive more engagement to all our products. We are excited about this new program and believe it can be a meaningful driver of engagement, monetization, and long-term retention, similar to other successful reward programs. In order to participate, members must activate their Bitcoin account and download the Mogo app. Our free credit score offering continues to resonate with members, and our new rewards program helps to make it even more engaging. Every month, members will now have an opportunity to earn Bitcoin. Our credit score experience is evolving from simply monitoring someone's score to really helping them improve it, something that millions of Canadians are focused on doing. All members can now earn Bitcoin by achieving what we call rock star status, which is a credit score of 850 or above, something that only about 10% of Canadians currently have. We also have a category for most improved monthly player, i.e. the member that improves their credit score the most. This player can win 1 million sats, which is worth about $200. This now directly ties credit score with our Bitcoin account, i.e. to participate, members need to sign up and activate their Mogo Bitcoin account. This new reward program is the only one of its kind in Canada where Canadians who want to improve their score or simply just monitor it can earn and win Bitcoin, a truly differentiated and compelling value proposition. In Q3, we launched our new carbon offsetting feature for the Mogo card. This is the first card in Canada that helps you control your spending while also offsetting your CO2 as you spend and all for free. CO2 continues to be the primary cause of climate change, and recent surveys show that it is 
a top concern of both millennials and Gen Z. Still early days in this new product, but we're very pleased with the initial results. We've seen a 66% increase in average spend per user, and this is especially impressive considering we took away a cashback incentive and replaced it with a more profitable carbon offsetting model. We're also excited about a new feature that we just launched called Rainforest Mode. Users who log into their dashboard get to experience the sounds and even the visuals of the Amazon Rainforest. This brings our carbon offsetting project of protecting the Amazon Rainforest to life and creates a very cool experience that also helps our members be more mindful around their spending. Think about it like a mindfulness app like Calm integrated into our spending account. The initial feedback on this experience has been excellent and it's something that until you experience it, you won't appreciate how impactful it can be. I promise you this isn't anything like logging into your banking app and takes gamification of money to the next level. Also starting to get some really strong and positive feedback from users on how much they're loving this new experience. The mar market opportunity is massive with almost a trillion dollars a year in spending happening between cash, credit, and debit cards in Canada. We also believe that we will continue to see a shift in consumers moving away from credit cards towards a control of prepaid cards like the mobile card, given the improved ability to control spending and avoid debt as well as the continued trend of moving away from cash and a prepaid card like Mogo is the equivalent of digital cash. Like our other products, we are also planning incorporating a new Bitcoin rewards program, beginning with re rewarding new users for signing up and becoming active card users. Again, the goal is to reward members for becoming active users of our products while also helping them get control of their spending and financial health. As I mentioned earlier, free ID fraud protection launch in Q3 has been a key driver of helping us achieve a 79% increase in new member growth in Q3 versus the previous quarter. This is a must-have product for every Canadian, as every one of us is more at risk of ID fraud than ever before, as our lives continue to go more and more digital, and in fact, recent data shows that 75% of Canadians have had their data breached in the last 12 months. This is also something that you would have to pay about $240 a year to get from the credit bureaus, and Mogo is our first to offer it for free. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, get on it. Today, there are about 20 million Canadians who are eligible for this product in the markets we serve, and we are currently protecting less than 2%, so lots of room for growth. To date, we've already sent out over 370,000 alerts, and 30% of our new members have received an alert in the first 60 days. And we're just beginning to hear from our members on how much they're loving this. Alerts let you know who has done an inquiry in your bureau, and it's here that you have a chance to stop ID fraud from happening, i.e. stopping someone from getting a loan in your name. None of us can prevent ID theft, but we all have an opportunity to minimize the risk of ID fraud before it happens. And if you become a victim, it can cause a lot of problems, including preventing you from getting a mortgage or qualifying for a loan. We're also excited to see that given the nature of this product, we're actually seeing close to a 100% retention rate. Lending is what our business was initially built on and we believe remains one of our key strategic advantages. After selling our liquid loan book, we are primarily focused on growing loans to our partners. Our goal is to ensure we have a best-in-class loan offering across the full credit spectrum and expect partnership and referral model to continue to expand. The more we grow our member base and the more engaged these members are, the more opportunities we have to convert them into loans, which upgrade economics. We saw a 63% increase in partner loans to go easy in Q3 over Q2, we're also planning on integrating our Bitcoin Rewards program as another way to reward and incentivize members. This could also include earning Bitcoin for staying in good standing on their loan payments. Again, lots of opportunities to leverage this program. Another way we are monetizing members is through a partner referral program. During the quarter, we announced that we partnered with EQ Bank to promote their industry-leading savings account. 
Although still early days, we have seen some really strong results from our initial tests with above average conversion rates. Although not a primary focus today, this will continue to be something we look to grow and improve on, and a great way to bring a broader offering to our ever-growing member base. As with our other products, we plan on bringing our Bitcoin Rewards program to our referral products, so members can earn SATs if they sign up with one of our partners. Our goal remains to curate best-in-class par partners so we can offer best-in-class products to our member base. The high interest rate savings account from EQ is a good example of this, with rates that are up to 30 times higher than other banks. We also recently announced that we are working on a new P2P product that we anticipate launching in the first half of the next year. Although most Canadians have access to email money transfer, the experience has a lot of friction and lacks many of the convenient features that the leading P2P solutions have in the U.S. market. We believe there's a big opportunity to bring this type of solution to the Canadian market and think that we are well positioned to do it. The roadmap for this product incorporates a lot more than just a P2P solution. There are many significant enhancements that are part of this plan and will dramatically improve the convenience of the MoGo app to our members and make accessing our other products a lot easier. This feature will also enable our card customers to do things like split the bill so they can pay and have their friends easily pay them back. Lots of excitement internally for this new product and we're working hard to bring it to life. We'll continue to keep you updated on as we move along. Perhaps the single biggest challenge for a startup in our space is customer acquisition. The reality is banks spend hundreds and even over $1,000 to acquire a customer. But given the long-term lifetime value, this still produces a positive ROI. We believe we have an advantage compared to many of our peers that enable us to have a relatively low customer acquisition cost. Our unique value proposition, including free credit score and now free ID fraud protection, along with our mogul card and Bitcoin account, helps us acquire customers at a fraction of, of the cost of what banks pay. This has also helped by our unique partnership with Post Media that gives us over $30 million a year in marketing spend. This helps give a halo effect to all our other marketing channels, which ultimately results in low customer acquisition costs. Improving our marketing performance continues to be a major focus of ours, and we have many initiatives helping us achieve this. We are also about to kick off a new influencer campaign where they will begin promoting the Mogo app and various products. Obviously, influencer marketing is increasingly becoming important as many of the younger generation are making decisions based on the people they follow. Our business model continues to be driven by a formula that helps drive low-cost customer acquisition and engagement combined with multiple ways to monetize. Our team is hyper-focused on executing this strategy, including a product roadmap that is designed to continue to increase the utility of the Mogo app for our members, helping them improve their financial health while also driving revenue and profitability growth. With that, I'll ask Greg to cover the financials in more detail. Greg? Thanks, Dave, and good morning. Building on the strong Q2 results, we reported another excellent quarter across all our key financial metrics that once again highlight the underlying profitability and cash generation capability of our financial model. In addition, we also reported very strong growth in net member additions as well as Bitcoin account growth, which we believe is just at the beginning of the growth opportunities in two areas. We also outperformed our guidance on revenue and adjusted EBITDA in the quarter. Specifically, revenue for the quarter of $9.8 million was above our guidance of 9.5 to $9.7 million. Adjusted EBITDA of $4.8 million was above our guidance of 3.8 to $4.2 million and represented a record 49% margin, the second quarter in a row at this level. This increase is primarily, primarily attributable to record growth margins of 93%, as well as a second quarter of significantly lower growth-related operating expenses. Another highlight this quarter was positive net income of a million dollars. Cash flow was also very strong, with positive cash flow from operations net of investing of $4.4 million, which was at the high end of our guidance. 
cash increased by 2.4 million in the quarter, ending with approximately 10 million in cash, which was after paying an additional 2 million on our credit facility. Total cash and investment portfolio ended the quarter at 26 million. As we look ahead, these metrics give us strong confidence in our plan to dial back of our growth investments to support accelerating revenue growth in 21. As Dave mentioned, our model starts with a low-cost member acquisition strategy with the new products and product enhancements. We saw an acceleration in new member additions in Q3, which were up 89%, and we ended the quarter with well over a million members. We expect to continue to drive strong member growth, and we are turning our attention to increased engagement. Revenue for the quarter of $9.8 million, as I said, was ahead of our guidance. Well, core revenue was down year over year due to proactive measures we took for COVID. As we look ahead, we see an acceleration of, of top-of-the-funnel activities with accelerating member growth and believe one of the best monetization models of any consumer fintech globally. Specifically, we currently have eight distinct ways to monetize our member base, and we are just getting started. We plan to continue to expand our monetization model in 2021 and beyond. The underlying profitability of our business was again clearly highlighted in Q3 with record gross margins and adjusted EBITDA. Gross margins climbed to more than 93% in the quarter from 67% in Q3 last year. Adjusted EBITDA of 4.8 million was up from 1.1 million last year. And EBITDA margin was almost 50% in the quarter. In the last two quarters alone, we have generated approximately 10 million of adjusted EBITDA, clearly showcasing the underlying profitability of our model even at current levels of scale. This gives us increased confidence in resuming growth-related investment in particular product development and marketing as we take full advantage of the accelerating shift to digital banking and Mogo's unique position in the Canadian market. Although COVID focused us or forced us, along with a lot of others, to make changes in our investment plans in 2020, one important benefit of this was showcasing to the market both the resiliency of our model as well as the ability to adjust our growth levers to generate meaningful cash flow and profitability. Q3, as with Q2, clearly demonstrates this with us generating 4.3 million of cash from operations net of investing. Perhaps more impressive was the 3.3 million of cash flow generated from operations, excluding cash generated from loans, which was up 74% from Q2 levels. In addition to a leaner cost structure, our actions in 2020 have substantially improved the balance sheet as well. The main balance sheet highlights for 2020 were the sale of our liquid loan book, reducing our credit exposure by approximately 32 million, and reducing our credit facilities outstanding to 37 million, down from 77 million at year end. We extended the remaining facility to July 2022 and reduced our interest rate significantly. We amended our 12.5 million convertible debentures and extended the maturity to two years to May 2022. Lastly, we amended our non-convertible debentures, including reducing the average interest rate from 13.7% to 7% and extended the maturity date. Individually, these are all meaningful steps. Together, they allow us to move forward in a significantly stronger financial position. Clearly, we've had to take decisive actions in 2020 to strengthen our financial position in an uncertain environment. However, with a favorable backdrop for fintech, including accelerating demand for digital financial health solutions, as well as leaner cost structure and improved balance sheet, and with clear proof that we can be profitable, we expect to renew our growth investment to support accelerating revenue growth in 2021 and beyond and take full advantage of industry tailwinds. With our unique and proven platform, we, are, we believe we are extremely well positioned going forward with multiple growth drivers, including the expansion of Mogo Card, which as Dave mentioned, is already showing signs of ramping nicely. 
the expansion of our referral partner strategy. We are also quite excited about the tra traction we are seeing in our Bitcoin account without any real marketing investment. As we roll out the rewards program, we believe this can be a material driver of new members and revenue from transaction fees. Lastly, we, introduce, we will introduce the P2P solution and other new products as we move through 2021. Stepping back, we thought it would be helpful to take a look at the bigger picture opportunity for MoGo over the next three to five years. With the Canadian banks generating over $100 billion of annual net income and the move of the next generation to a digital solution with products that help them make smarter financial decisions, we believe MoGo is extremely well positioned to take full advantage of the massive market opportunity ahead of us. Specifically, over the next three to five years, we are targeting to grow our member base threefold to three million members, increase our average revenue per member from just under $40 today to a target of approximately $100, which we see is very achievable target given the average revenue per member of the Canadian Credit Union is over $1,300. Using simple math, this would make us a $300 million revenue fintech business, which would create tremendous value for our shareholders and we believe would still be only scratching the surface of the opportunity in front of us. With that, we will open the call to questions. Operator? As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Doug Taylor from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Yes, thanks. Good morning. Um, your decision to begin reinvesting uh, more in your products, I wonder if you could help us uh, think about how that's going to flow through uh, financially um, and kind of parse it out into what you see as investment in um, some of the new product initiatives versus reinvesting in the loan book and the lending portfolio, which is something that you've kind of ramped down uh, through the, the first part of this year. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Doug. It's Greg. So, um, yeah, the, 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 you know, the vast on the product development side, um, I, I would say the, you know, close to 100% of the incremental investment we're planning to make there uh, is going to be uh, really related around new products, uh, not around our loan product, but around P2P, obviously, is a big initiative for us. Uh, continuing to enhance and, and expand the features related to the MoGo card, uh, as well as the Bitcoin account, um, and potentially uh, uh, additional new products. So really, any incremental spend above where we are there on technology and development is, is very much going to be around um, expanding our non-loan-related products, as well as investing in uh, new uh, products. So is it fair to say from that then the, we should expect the loan book to remain static, continue to gradually, you know, at least in terms of loans on your own uh, balance sheet, uh, continue to contract a little bit, or you know, what, what should we make the expectations yeah, for the business? Yeah, we, we we think the loan book is going to stay relatively static. Uh, um, uh, it's not going to be a drag on our on on our revenue um, uh, going forward into 2021. Uh, but but really on the loan side, uh, as you know, our, our focus on the loan side is really through our partner lending programs um, and our referral programs uh, for growth uh, versus uh, on balance sheet. 
Okay, so do you expect then uh, the investment? Can you help us quantify what you'd say is uh, the level that you're expecting to reinvest, and is that it should just come through in R and D or marketing? Yeah, yeah, it's going to come through in 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 R and D. I mean, if you kind of look at uh, um, at levels that we were at in Q1 um, uh, on the technology and development side, I think it would be reasonable to think that we're going to get back to 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 those kind of levels. Okay. Um, you know, there's uh, you know certainly Bitcoin strength and you know some of the development and new features that you put into your you know Bitcoin product is featured pretty prominently in both your release today and some of your recent product announcements. Can you help us understand, you know, to what degree the, you know, those are contributing financially to to your performance uh, here? Yeah. So, you know, look, Bitcoin is still very early days for us. I mean, uh, as you know, we were really one of the pioneers in uh, in Bitcoin in Canada, launched the account almost two and a half years ago. Uh, but, you know, shortly after launching the account, obviously, you know, Bitcoin, you know, uh, um, uh, had a very quick. Uh, retraction and sort of fell out of favor uh, with a lot of investors. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've seen over the last, you know, year or so that credibility building uh, and with, you know, not just uh, Square in the U.S., but now PayPal coming into space in a, in a massive way. Um, and increasingly more and more of really some of the leading money managers around the world, you know, talking about Bitcoin as the digital uh, gold or 2.0, um, you know, we, we believe in the, in the long-term, um, uh, uh, we believe in Bitcoin as a long-term uh, asset class. Um, and so we are going to continue to, to focus on that product as a core product that uh, Mogo delivers. It's really something that competitively differentiates us from all the traditional financial institutions in Canada as well. We are coming at, we are starting from a low base. Um, on those products. So today, they're still not a meaningful driver of revenue. But, but as Dave mentioned, we are seeing, you know, very significant increase in those, you know, so we do expect those to start becoming more meaningful uh, as we move into, into the quarters in 2021. Okay. Uh, last question for me, and then I'll pass the line. Um, any update on the monetization efforts for some of the, you know, the other assets that, you know, you came with the, the difference capital transaction? We haven't spoken about those in some time. Um, yeah, so uh, n nothing specific to update. Um, what, what I will say is, you know, there are a number of those, uh, uh, the companies in that portfolio have seen, you know, positive uh, um, signs in their business. And, um, you know, two, two of our big holdings have, um, you know, have done growth-related um, debt fundings in the last uh, six months, uh, as well as uh, uh, one Hootsuite brought on a new CEO. So I think um, we, we're seeing a lot of, and, and, and you know, those, those three companies, you know, would, would make up uh, at least 50% of our portfolio. Um, so we are seeing some positive signs there, and, and we do think that we are likely to see a monetization opportunity in 2021 as at least one of uh, one of those investments for us. Okay, I uh, appreciate that. I'll pass the line. Thank you. Thanks. Your next question comes from Suthan Sukumar from Eight Capital. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys, and uh, congrats on the quarter. Thank you. Thank you. 
Guys, my um, first question for me is is, um, is on your new ad campaign. So, I mean, this quarter you saw you know nice lift sequentially, new member ads, and that was pre-rollout of the campaign. Um, can you touch on what early trends you're seeing now from a new ad, new member ads perspective with the campaign live? So this is Dave, and when you talk about the new campaign, so uh, again, one of the campaigns that we're we actually are about to kick off, we actually haven't kicked off, is essentially uh, the new Bitcoin campaign. So as we had mentioned, you know, the growth we saw in Bitcoin, including going into uh, Q4. So as I mentioned in my comments, um, you know, October, um, we're actually seeing a significant increase from uh, previous months. Uh, and we have yet to market Bitcoin. So we literally have just completed the, the creative and and the ads. Um, obviously just announced the uh, new Bitcoin rewards program. Uh, we have yet to actually, you know, basically market that in any way. And that should be mm -hmm. kicking off uh, later this month. Um, so we kind of see that as incremental growth from what we're currently doing. So all of our existing campaigns will continue. Uh, as we mentioned um Free identity fraud protection um, has definitely helped um, accelerate growth. So when we run these campaigns, we're always testing our value prop and seeing what actually performs better. And uh, the addition of uh, free identity fraud protection has significantly improved the performance from just marketing, say, free credit score. Um, so we, we anticipate that adding in Bitcoin, especially with bit, what we're seeing, is going to obviously accelerate that um, our member growth, um, and uh, we also are have yet to announce um, this new rainforest mode that we just um, talked about in the presentation. So that's a new feature. Um, we're actually expecting to do a release on that shortly, uh, and then also begin marking that as well. So I'd say those are the two kind of net new campaigns that we plan on uh, launching uh, later this month that should help accelerate what we're currently seeing. Okay, great. And and kind of with respect to this, um, you know, call it new cohort of users coming in via you know, Bitcoin, um, the free Mocha Protect offering, and obviously the prepaid card. Is there anything anything notable you guys could call out with respect to um, to kind of user behavior in terms of engagement and 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 um, other product adoption on the platform? Yeah, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I think one of the the most you know, interesting things, quite frankly, we were surprised at the level of activity that we're seeing in terms of how many alerts uh, we're, we're actually sending out to new members. So the fact that 30% of new members get an alert within the first 60 days is great because that obviously, if you sign up for free identity fraud protection, um, we're, we're automatically sending out a bi-weekly alert. If there are no alerts, just to let you know that all, all is clear. But for those, you know, 30% that are actually seeing an alert, you can imagine that that definitely drives more engagement. Um, and, and ultimately also in the NPS, we're starting to do uh, net promoter score surveys, which is typically a precursor for even sharing, right? One of the channels from a marketing perspective we're, we're really focused on is increasing word of mouth, referral, et cetera. The precursor for that really is a strong net promoter score, right? So anything we can do to increase the actual experience, the value prop, um, you know, especially, for example, on, on uh, Protect, that's actually where essentially it becomes another way to monetize. Obviously, 
referrals are a lot cheaper than traditional marketing. Uh, a lot of referrals are obviously free. You know, free identity fraud protection is something that once you have it and you experience it and, and it obviously helps you, you're literally going out of your way to tell your friends and family, hey, you, gotta, you have to get this thing, especially when others are charging $240 a year for it. So we're starting to see uh, some of that. Um, what we're also seeing, for example, in our car program is um, some really interesting data in terms of uh, seeing what card customers turn into higher value card customers. Um, obviously still kind of early days there in terms of gathering this data, and we're obviously looking at cohorts. Every month we look at different cohorts, July, August, September. We continue to see an improvement in those cohorts, and that continues to give us more and more data in terms of what are the kind of merchants and uh, companies that um, the higher value users are, are shopping at, and that gives us the ability to kind of better target that uh, in our marketing campaigns as well. So all of this data just gives us better information to better expand and target on our marketing side. Um, and we expect that uh, the other key point I wanted to mention again on identity fraud protection is, is the low churn, right? Um, for example, credit score monitoring, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have a credit score. Obviously, everybody has a credit score, but many people say, hey, it's never been an issue for me. I've always managed to get the credit. Don't really care about it. There's nobody if you talk to that once they understand identity fraud that says, oh, I don't need identity fraud protection. Everybody needs it, whether or not you're checking your credit score or not, because if you become a victim, it's a real hassle, right? Um, so the fact that that product essentially almost has a zero churn, because once you have it, it's not something where you're saying, hey, I want to get rid of. So when you think about you know, how difficult it is, you know, especially in financial services, to acquire a customer, to give a customer a reason to download the app, give us their information. We're essentially getting, obviously, tracking their bureau as well for a lot of these alerts. Um, that's that's a, a big deal, right? And it's from there that we obviously look to continue to kind of build up that trust and credibility. And also that then ties into even our Bitcoin rewards program where just like credit score, we're now tying Bitcoin in, i.e. if you're tracking your credit score, you now have a reason to get a Bitcoin account. Bitcoin account is also where we drive monetization. We're going to be doing the same thing with Protect. Right, um, And it really is about building that trust and credibility. And we absolutely see, the other key thing is we see typically a five times increase in, in uh, retention uh, and engagement as somebody downloads the app. And the nice thing about identity fraud protection, you have, you have a much higher likelihood to download the app given the nature of it. That's where you're going to get the alerts. Um, and, and obviously the the formula is simple. The more engaged and retained, uh, the more you retain that member, um, the higher the percentage of those members you end up converting and monetizing into those other products. So, right. so Susan, just to, to add to that, I mean, you, you know yourself, if you're if you're uh, tracking Bitcoin or tracking a stock, um, and with Bitcoin, people are putting alerts on their phone. Hey, tell me when it's over uh, X or under Y. Um, you know, you can get multiple alerts a day, um, and, and it's an engaging uh, um, alert. It's something that, that you actually care about, right? So that really is, you know, what, uh, you know, from an engagement perspective, a huge product for us. Uh, you think a credit score, as Dave said, or even identity fraud protection, although those are great, valuable products, you don't drive that daily user engagement. And daily user engagement um, increases uh, probability of monetization, Obviously, we've seen players like Square with a pretty similar value proposition in a lot of ways to the Mogo app uh, in the U.S. Uh, leverage Bitcoin into driving 
you know, more users and user engagement and monetization across the other products. And, and we, we believe we've got a similar opportunity. Okay, great. No, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's helpful. Um, I want to touch on your growth in growth investments next, um, you know, looking into fiscal 21 and, and you touched on this a little earlier with, with Doug, with respect to your, your thoughts around the, um, the investment in, in, in the technology side of the business. Um, but w- what are your priorities um, in terms of investment areas, maybe maybe outside of tech and more broadly, how should we think about the impact to your OPEX and, and EBITDA margins going forward? Um, yeah, so uh, so I guess a couple of things. Um, you know, as, as, as you're well aware, if you look at uh, um, really kind of the, the, the leading public fintechs out there, um, you know, a, a, a number of them, um, the majority of them actually are, are not even EBITDA positive, or if they are, they're marginally EBITDA positive. Um, but they're seeing a lot of investor interest because they are investing in their platform and driving growth in a massive market opportunity. Uh, and we, we believe that we have a, a very similar opportunity for, for Mogo in Canada. You know, the, the key criteria, though, or, or a, a key element of that, uh, is that investors in the market have to believe in the underlying profitability of your model so that they will actually, you know, give you credit for investing in driving growth. Um, and I think one of the, the, the big milestones of the last couple of quarters, which wasn't planned but happened because of COVID, is that fundamentally we believe we proved out the underlying profitability of our model. So if we're at a, close to a $10 million a quarter revenue with, you know, close to 50% EBITDA margins, you know, I'd say that's that's unheard of. There's not a lot of companies that can generate that kind of EBITDA margin at that kind of scale. Um, uh, now, what we'd like to do is is take some of that EBITDA and start investing it in in driving accelerating revenue growth. Um, and you know, we believe that with the with the the proof points we've had over the last couple of quarters, I think there was a view that maybe Q2 was a fluke, and now I think we're showing the market that Q2 wasn't a fluke um, uh, from a profitability and cash flow perspective. Um, but but we believe that's going to give us the, the credibility to start investing more into in, into taking advantage of the massive opportunity. As I mentioned, you know the banks in Canada make 100 billion dollars of pre-tax profit. So um, you know that's just a massive pie, and and we obviously are are, are a very small you know uh, piece of that today. Uh, so we want to take advantage of it. We think we've got a unique value proposition from a product perspective and scale. Uh, there's really nobody else in Canada that has that. Uh, and we want to take advantage of it. So we want to start, you know, in, investing more of our uh, EBITDA and cash flow into growth. And, and so you're going to start to see us ramp that up in Q4. Um, and we believe that, you know, if we, if we can continue to show accelerating uh, growth that, you know, uh, um, you know, the market's going to, going to reward us for investing in this, in this, you know, big opportunity, especially with the, you know, the clear understanding of the underlying profitability of our model. Thank you. Um, and guys, maybe the last one for me is just on the uh, peer-to-peer payments. I think I might have missed um, some commentary in the opening remarks, but could you provide an, an update on, on, on the timing on the, on the go-to-market for this? And, um, and it sounds like you, you, uh, you guys have an expanded scope for the offering in mind. Could you, could you also speak on that a bit as well, please? Thank you. Sure. Dave, um... So we're we're basically saying that we plan on launching P2P peer-to-peer in the first half of uh, next year, 
And um, in terms of the scope, uh, what's you know we're calling it peer-to-peer, -peer, but the reality is there's a whole bunch of um, enhancements and benefits that we expect to come out of this. Uh, one of them, for example, is um, we're improving our onboarding experience. Uh, today, for example, there is a percentage uh, of members that actually don't qualify for the card and don't qualify for a Bitcoin account because of um, certain requirements from a kind of KYC perspective. Uh, and these enhancements will essentially um, eliminate that and, and improve the, the percentage of, of members. Therefore, we have more growth opportunity for, for those products. Um, that's just a function of, um, again, of the P2P roadmap. Uh, the other thing, too, is um, if, for example, you look at, say, uh, the Cash App down in the U.S., um, they essentially have one single account, and from that account, when you open it and you open your peer-to-peer -peer account, you connect your bank account, you then um, can obviously uh, transfer fund money in there and transfer money to and from friends. But from the same balance, you can get the card, you can start using the card, or you can buy Bitcoin. The way Mogo is set up today is you have a separate account for your card, you have a separate account for Bitcoin, and we're, we're essentially planning on moving more towards a, a cash app model. Um, and what that does is there's a lot less friction to, for example, want to go from peer to peer to, say, getting the card because you now have the ability to, say, use the, the card to access that cash balance, right? Um, same thing as relates to Bitcoin. So, um, and you also have essentially one experience where you've connected your accounts. You're not connecting your you know, transferring money to your Bitcoin account, then separately have to connect your card and transfer money there. So it's a more of a one account experience. So a lot of, you know, improved uh, lower friction that ultimately, you know, drives uh, more uh, engagement and cross-selling into your other products. So those are some of the bigger pieces uh, in that roadmap that we're focused on actually launching uh, first. So some of those will start happening in Q1 and quite frankly, we think uh, those will have a meaningful impact on uh, on the business, right? Even well before actual peer-to-peer -peer itself launches. Right, got it. Thank you, guys. That's the, that was helpful. Uh, pass line. Thanks, Susan. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Bill Zhang from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, so. Looking at your member edition, so pre-pandemic, you were doing 17,000, 20,000 uh, member editions per month, and then Q2 was your low point, and then Q3, you've almost doubled that rate. Should we expect this to be an inflection, uh, given you know, you're ramping up loans again, and should we expect a return to pre-pandemic levels in Q4? Um, so, so yes, Greg. So uh, I would say, yeah, we we absolutely expect um, uh, to see a continued acceleration of net member additions in Q4, and quite frankly, in 2021. Um, and and we expect that you know um, we will you know in the next few quarters exceed um, where we were uh, from the net member additions uh, pre-pandemic. Okay, that's great news. Um, and it's also good to hear that your average spend on the card is up 66%. Uh, what is the dollar amount there? And um, are the number of mogul spend users increasing? And what's been the attachment rate there? 
Um, so it's Dave. So yeah, I mean we're continuing to see obviously uh, a steady increase in monthly active card users, and quite frankly, the the actual um, the fact that the average spend per user, even when you have new users coming on, it has has been up that much is very encouraging. Obviously, you also get customers that are signing up and give it a try and just load a little bit of money on it and don't turn it into active. So that can actually bring your your spend down. Um, before you know, essentially you get a mature enough member base. So the fact that we're actually seeing that level of growth, even initially, is, is very encouraging. Uh, the other thing that I'd say, if you dig deeper too, um, we have um, you know one of the things we also launched was we talked about was Visa Direct. Then Visa Direct essentially enables um, customers that uh, essentially have a Visa debit card. So typically, TD, CIBC. Uh, Scotia, um, their main debit card is Visa enabled. Tangerine just launched theirs. It used to be Interact only. Tangerine is Visa enabled as well. Um, ATB um, is uh, launching theirs. So increasingly, you're starting to see more and more of this in the market. Um, and what we're seeing there is um, the, the benefit there is that you can easily link your bank account to your Mogo account, and you can also set up automated transfers, right? So that's almost getting very similar to doing a direct deposit. And typically in this space, you know, the spend that we're seeing on our on our good customers um, within that segment um, is actually in line with typically what you would see if you had direct deposit. And direct deposit again would be if you had your paycheck directly deposited onto the Mogo card, uh, and that's actually what we had hoped to see. Um, and we're also seeing uh, an even higher spend, obviously, with those that actually set up a reoccurring, right? Automated transfer, whether it's weekly, biweekly, uh, whatever. Um, and I can I can say that, you know, without you know disclosing the actual number, um, those are definitely kind of um, based on all the other programs we're seeing out there, you know, best in class type type numbers. So so very encouraged with the the result there. Okay. Okay. Great. And uh, I noticed for this quarter there was a um, nice drop in the interest rate expense. Uh, is that a good run rate to use going forward? Um, so yeah, on the interest rate expense, uh, what isn't in um, uh, this quarter is a um, uh, a, a non sort of cash related expense. Um, uh, uh, re related to the uh, revised terms of the debentures, um, so that's gonna that's gonna show up in uh, in Q4. Um, although it's a um, um, you know it's it's majority of that will be non cash. Um, so, um, uh, but it will but but the level will be somewhere between what we reported Q3 on interest debenture interest and what we reported in Q2. Okay, that's great. And one last one for me. Uh, any guidance on the cash flow for Q4? Um, yeah, we're not giving guidance on cash flow for Q4. I think you know we've obviously signaled that you know our 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 focus and our bias is now uh, offense, not defense, investment mode. Um, we I think we we've, we've proven here over a couple of quarters that you know basically on a dime if we need to throttle back our growth levers, we can generate meaningful cash flow. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking a, 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 about a business that generated, you know, um, between, you know, 45 and 70% 70, 70 cash flow relative to revenue in the quarter. 
Um, uh, so, um, uh, I think, you know, I think we, we feel pretty good about our ability to do that. Um, we're not giving guidance on, on cash flow in Q4, but obviously, you know, we are, we are, you know, making it clear that our bias is towards investing in growth, uh, knowing that we've got our hand on the levers if we need to, you know, adjust those at any point in time. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that sounds good. Uh, that's all for me today. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Lee from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. I I may have missed it, but uh, Bitcoin accounts up 237%. What is the actual number of Bitcoin accounts? I mean, is it 10,000 plus? Yeah. Yeah, it's well over 10,000. Yeah. 100,000? It's just under... Under the hundred thousand mark, but um, well over the the ten thousand. Okay, perfect. And and does that mean they have just accepted the the five dollar promotion, or have they actually traded more than the five dollars? Um, well, some obviously, depending on the status, have uh, just activated it and accepted uh, the the five dollars. Um, but what we're actually seeing is on the funding side. Um, which obviously is the precursor for trading, is actually an even greater acceleration on, on the funding side as well. So ultimately, there is a corresponding increase in, uh, um, in actually trading and, and therefore trading revenue. Okay, that helps. Thank you. And that was our last question at this time. I will turn the call back over to the presenters. Um, okay, well, thanks again for uh, following us on our Q3 update. We look forward to updating you following uh, Q4. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.